that experience first, that customer first mentality has always existed in Juniper. And I think that they're looking to extend that as they, as they become part of HPE. Uh, hi, and welcome to uh, the Tech News This Week podcast. I'm your host, Anton Gonsalves, editor at Larger Tech Target Editorial. Today, I have with me Bob Lalibert, an analyst with Tech Target's Enterprise Strategy Group. And we're going to talk about uh, Hewlett Packard Enterprises' plans uh, to acquire Juniper. Bob, how's it going? Going very well, Anton. How are you? Uh, I'm doing okay. Thanks. Thanks for joining me. I appreciate your time. So, uh, yeah, so let's just jump right in on this acquisition, recent uh, acquisition plans by uh, Hewlett Packard Enterprise, HPE. I, you know, I'm struggling myself. I'm struggling to see the benefit of this, uh, this acquisition for Juniper customers. I mean, best I can tell is that right now, it seems like a problem. They don't have a problem with the vendor or with the technology. They seem fairly satisfied. So this kind of acquisition uh, would certainly be a benefit to Juniper shareholders. But uh, for their, the actual uses of the technology, it's kind of an open question. What's, uh, what's your take? Yeah, so it, it's a really good point. And, and obviously... The hard part with these acquisitions is it's been announced, but it's going to be about a year before the two companies can get together. So I would say short term for Juniper customers, they should be rest assured that nothing's going to change for at least a year, right? <laughs> that they're going to continue as as they have been for, for the next year or so until this, until this uh, gets the deal gets done. Once the deal gets done, I mean, clearly there's you know, the, the stated intention from both, we've heard from HPE and from Juniper is that they plan to support all the products moving forward for a number of years. So that should provide a little bit of, of relief that if they like what's going on today and they like what they're getting in the products and so forth, that it's going to continue. But clearly there's going to be some, there's going to be so, some concern about that. So, I mean, for, for my own part, once the deal is closed, I think it's really going to be incumbent upon HPE and Juniper to hit the road and get in front of all their customers and give them as much information as they can to make them feel rest assured of what their plans are moving forward. I think, um, you know, potentially there are some there are some bright spots for Juniper customers that could come out of this as well, namely being, you know, a lot of them have made the investment because of the, the path they've taken with their AI native platform. So that ability potentially to have a bigger company of scale, throw greater engineering resources at it to accelerate its extensibility and put that platform onto more of the Juniper networking portfolio could potentially be something that would be beneficial for them. It's one of the first things that I think of out of the gate anyways. Yeah, I mean, this is not... I would I would think that our, our readers, to a large extent, would be, um, or our listeners, I should say, to a large extent, are used to this type of thing, where vendors that they have suddenly get acquired and they need to make, uh, well, I guess they need to kind of ride the wave at that point, right? I mean, this is... Yeah, it's, it's an interesting thing, because the, the funny dynamic is these are both, obviously, it was a big deal, both of them fairly large companies, right? One larger than the other. But you typically see commonly when it's a small startup that gets acquired, 
the funny part is that all these customers that were raving about how great they were, once they get acquired by that big mature company, suddenly everything stinks. Their support isn't good enough, this, that, the other, right? Because they're expecting, they're expecting that, that larger company level of support and so forth. So mm -hmm. you don't necessarily have that case here, right? And, and you've got two large companies, they're well-established. Um, you know, one already has a networking arm attached to it, right? The Aruba piece, which is already part, right? And we've seen how that acquisition has gone and how that's matured and developed over the last couple of years. So there is some precedent for the Juniper customers to look at and see what happens when a, a networking company gets acquired by HPE. But I mean, ultimately, as we said, the, the hard part for a lot of this is going to be that it's just going to be a, it's just going to be a, a wait and see what happens. But clearly, the the reasons behind the acquisition, I believe, is that they feel like not only will it benefit the shareholders, but I think both both Antonio Neri and uh, Rami Rahim both believe that there's going to be value for their their customers as well, right? They've they've yeah. always been right. So that's that's always been that experience first, that customer first mentality has always existed in Juniper. And I think that they're looking to extend that as they, as they become part of HPE. Yeah. And, and in the case of Rami Rahim as CEO of, uh, of Juniper, uh, of course, he's going to put the best spin he can on this, but when you look at, he, it doesn't look like he had a whole lot of choice in this, uh, uh, in, in this deal because the what HPE was offering was such a high premium, $14 billion for a company with a valuation of roughly $9 billion. I mean, obviously, Raheem couldn't say no to that kind of thing. So or, Yeah, or the board, right? It's, it's a, or the it's, board, right. Yeah, it's, it's, a great, it's a great premium. And, and I think the, the thing that the, the Juniper customers should take stock in is the fact that the reason they got that premium was because of the way Juniper had been executing, right? right. They've done a number of really good acquisitions and been able to incorporate them. I mean, no, no acquisitions truly seamless, but when you look at the rate at which when they bought Mist and then how quickly they were able to incorporate Wired, and then when they bought 128 Technologies and how quickly they were able to incorporate that into the AI technology platform, they've done a great job of executing against their acquisition, bringing in a lot of really talented people, whether it be from 128 Technology, whether it be from Mist, whether it be from White Sand, and bringing them together to really drive out solutions that make a difference for customers. I know I can tell you when I've spoken to the Juniper customers lately who are using the Mist platform, they're mm -hmm. incredibly happy with it. Yeah, right. yeah. And, what? and that's and that's what's interesting about all this, right? Because you have it's just interesting how the tech technology industry or maybe capitalism in general uh, works. You have a company here where, where really it was doing everything right. I mean, you, you look at the numbers, they were their revenues were growing, particularly in the enterprise business. It, it was growing. I mean, they were the, the technology and they were producing, they had made their acquisitions. They seemed to have made good use of the technology. The technology was good. They had customers and by, by and large were, were happy. So basically they were doing, they seemed to be doing everything right. Yet that wasn't enough for them to continue as a separate company, you know? Yeah. Well, it's, it's interesting too, because, you know, in the networking space, it's fairly unique. You've got a rather large networking company. 
right? Mm -hmm. Cisco, we'll just call it out. That mm -hmm. has a lion's share of the market. And then you've got everyone else who's competing and trying to take their market share. So from a perspective of Juniper looking at this and saying, hey, you know, we're, we're obviously, we're trying to compete against Cisco. We're going to them head, right? They're fighting in the trenches with them. But being part of HPE now gives them a whole new level of scale to compete, especially internationally. That was one of the things they called out, right? Uh, uh, multiple times is that on day one, Juniper would get buoyed by the international channel that HPE has. So that's an opportunity for Juniper to dramatically and rapidly scale its presence globally by leveraging the HPE channel. Yeah, but you know, the, and you bring up a good point. I mean, when you talk about competing, okay, are you, and now you look at Cisco, I think, what's the uh, their annual, about 24, 25 billion a year? For enterprise yeah, networking, yeah, yeah. Enterprise networking, and then we're looking at uh, Juniper was where around five billion, something like that. Yeah, I think I think they said something like the combined the combined Aruba and Juniper would be somewhere around five point eight, almost six billion, something like that. Okay, so so when we talk about competition, yeah, for enterprise. So you you look at those those two companies. Where's Okay, well, how how would an HPE now that it has Ju Juniper, how is it going to make a dent in, in what Cisco's doing? I mean, how are they going to steal business from from Cisco? I mean, where where is the competition? The competition in what areas now that HP has if they complete the deal and they have Juniper? Yeah, well, I think certainly it arms it arms um, HPE with that. A, that really cloud native AI native pla AI platform to go after the Cisco customers, the Cisco, especially Cisco legacy customers that don't have that kind of capability on a global basis. Right. So when you say like for them to be able to scale, that's what I was, that's what I was thinking about is that, Hey, now all these HPE channels internationally has another arrow in their quiver when they go in and they can compete in enterprise data centers, they have the AI capability, right? They've got Appstra, for example, just take Appstra, for example, the software package, they can go into competitive data centers. We're all Cisco shops and say, hey, we can come in and manage this for you and show you how to migrate over to Juniper. So those I think are the opportunities that HPE looks at and says, hey, we could, this is an opportunity for us to try and get some market share and probably, for, like I said, this there'll still be a lot of battles going on in North America, but across across the globe, it provides a unique opportunity for Juniper to to really grow quickly. Yeah, yeah. So 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 when it comes to when it comes to customers within within tech companies, you know, uh, I mean, yes, we all know that a company has to keep their customers happy, so they'll continue to spend money and company survives and if it's public shareholders make money everything's hunky-dory but if you look at but how okay so so we understand how it's important but but when it comes to to it seems like customers always seem to take a second they're always second fiddle to something else you know it's shareholders see are priority one, no matter what, 
and everything else is just, you know, saying, okay, we love our customers, but shareholders, if we're public, shareholders are number one, and customers have to learn to just roll with the punches. Is that kind of how it works? Well, I mean, if you're talking about a capitalist society and business in general, right? There's a yeah. every every board has a, a fiduciary responsibility to their shareholders to do what's best for the shareholders. Um, does that always align with what's best for the customers? That that obviously that that's one of those things that it remains to be seen. Certainly in in this case, uh, as well as many others, I think that you know that being said, you're, you're talking about a limited number of individuals on company boards and the executive management team with that fiduciary responsibility. Whereas the entire rest of the company is focused on the customers and delivering value and delivering solutions to those customers on a day in and day out basis. Right. That's, that's what they do. When you, when you talk with Bob Friday and, and his team right at, at Juniper driving the products and so forth, they're not thinking about shareholders. They're not thinking about that. They're thinking about the customers. I mean, it's a great, uh, it's a great extension. So, you know, good example of this. Their AI platform is super important. So Bob Friday has his data scientist team meeting regularly with their support team. So when you, you know, so that they can find out what are the biggest problems the customers are facing, what's popping up, and then give me the data so that I can go and put that in to drive greater efficacy of my AI platform. So in addition to you know, what comes through from the data that you're able to collect from the devices, there's the kind of belts and suspenders approach that they've taken that's really customer focused to say, make sure we're solving our customers' biggest problems. And the way to do that from, a, you know, this is just a, it's just a good example of how a mature AI platform and development that's got a customer focus would operate. They're going in and meeting on a regular basis with that support team to find out what are the most pressing issues and to make sure that they're solving them through their AI. Yeah. Yeah. Well, look, I, I guess if you're, when it comes to the tech industry, if you're a customer within the tech industry, uh, because the, the industry moves so quickly, changes so fast, I just think you, you kind of have to, you just kind of have to buckle up. And uh, and ride with it because you're not going to run a business without it. Yes. And and yeah, at the same time, you're working within a system that's just that's going to you're going to have acquisitions, you're going to have mergers, you're going to have companies go out of business, yep. and uh, you just have to prepare for it the best you can, right? You always you always have to have a, you always have to have a plan B, I guess. Yeah, it's, it's not like no one's, it's not like we haven't seen this movie before, right? We've seen consolidation and roll up across every technology industry that's come out there. I think the interesting, the, the approach I always like to look at is that, you know, as a technology company, are you always adapting to that next big transition, right? And actually one of the masters of this was John Chambers at Cisco. He used to put up slides when we'd go to talk to him and say, 25 years ago, these were my competitors. 20 years ago, these were my competitors, 15 years ago, 10 years ago. And you'd see these really well-known brand names appearing and disappearing as the time went on because the company didn't make that transition. And so, you know, and I think in a certain part, that's what you're seeing today with the acquisition that we're talking about. HP is looking at this and saying, hey, I need this AI platform, right? This is, if you see what's going on with AI and even Gen AI and so forth, right? People are talking about this is going to be bigger than the internet. 
what's going on with these technologies. So the race to get really mature, developed platform processes, the talent to support it will be a game changer and will help accelerate those technologies to their customers, right? So when you're saying for the Juniper customer, I think HP is looking at this not only for the Juniper customer, but they're looking at it for their HPE customer and saying, how do we extend this to compute, to storage, leverage this goodness that the networking folks are getting in being able to put this across our entire portfolio right. and, try, right, and, and try and drive greater value to all of our customers. And then that what in turn Antonio is banking on that that drives shareholder value as well, right? Yeah, yeah. There you go. I mean, so Juniper customers may be unhappy with this and because of the disruption, but as you point out in the long term, possibly HPE customers will be happy to take a look at MIST, you know, as uh, within uh, the central uh, port, the uh, network manage cloud-based network management central, which is where MIST would end up, you know. Yeah, and it, and, it, and it presents those Juniper customers that have experience with this to be in the driver's seat to bring and champion that missed product into the compute and storage in their environments, potentially, right? Yeah. So if you're, if you're looking at saying, what does this have merit? And you've already been running it for four years or three years or however long in your, in your Juniper environment, right? And you can show people from the compute and show people from the storage the benefit and the value it has. Then maybe that gives you a you know a better seat at the table in your organization as well. Okay, all right. So we can end on that positive note, uh, Bob. Uh, Bob, thank you very much. I, I appreciate you joining me here. And uh, for the uh, listeners, uh, that's it for this week. Thanks for thanks for joining us. See you next time.